0: Hey, thanks for tuning into our podcast today. My name is Derek Puckett. I'm the lead pastor at Renewal Church of Chicago. If you want to know more information about us, you can head to our website at renewalchicago.com. I pray today that this message is a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. If you got a Bible, go ahead and meet me in Galatians. Galatians chapter 5. That's where I don't know if that's a go back and listen to it all that we've preached, and understanding what Jesus has done for us, and this right understanding of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So Galatians chapter 5, that's where we'll be this morning. If you got it, go ahead and stand on your feet with me. Galatians chapter 5, stand if you're able. Hello to everyone online, welcome. Thank y'all for braving the elements this morning. Is it still raining outside? Oh, you yeah, I ain't brave nothing in the 9 o'clock crowd. You know, I'm just playing. But I'm glad that y'all hear um, Galatians chapter 5. Got to mess with y'all because y'all kind of quiet this morning. Uh, verses 1 through 15. Hear now the reading of God's word. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls us. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view, and the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. Man, Paul. (laughs) For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. Very word of God. Amen. Today, I want to preach on the topic, stay free. Stay free. We've been talking about freedom. We want to talk about staying free today. Before I go any further, let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your word thank you for who you are father I do ask that you would stand in my body and that you think with my mind the meditation of my heart and the words that come out of my mouth be acceptable to you Lord Jesus hide me behind the cross so that you may be lifted up in this place decrease me Lord Jesus so that you may increase we need a word from you we love you Lord have your way and it's in the mighty name of Jesus that everyone said together amen amen you can be seated Well, have you ever wondered how a circus or a zoo can keep elephants from running away? You ever thought about that before? You can think about it right now. (laughs) You know what they do? They, They put a metal chain around the elephant's leg, and they attach it to a pole, and they drive it into the ground with a hammer. They drive the stake, this pole, into the ground. And the elephant stays put. And it's very hard to kind of reconcile this because this elephant can be over 10 feet tall. It can weigh more than 5,000 pounds. And it can easily break this chain or pull the stake out of the ground. But it doesn't. You know why? Because it's been conditioned to stay put being chained to the same chain and the same stake in the ground since the elephant was a baby. And so as a baby, it's not able to pull out the chain, break the chain, pull out the stake. It's not able to do that. And it may try to do it, but as it tries to pull out the stake, the chain cuts the leg of the elephant, or as he rolls around trying to pull it out, It may choke the elephant. And so the elephant learns to associate pain with freedom. Mm. Don't miss it. One of the world's biggest, most powerful animals is tamed by something it can easily defeat. Why? Because he's plagued by the constant memory of the trauma as a youth. And it keeps him or her in place forever. Although it can be free, doesn't know how to be free. It's the same reason that an inmate, after being locked up in prison for so long, has no idea how to function in society now being free. Uh, the, The changes in society are far too often hard for them to adjust to without counseling or help along the way. And so often, you will fi- the inmate will find themselves longing for their sale again. Or even worse, they do some incriminating act to find themselves locked up in prison again. Uh, they call it post-incarceration syndrome. Now, where am I going with all of this? Hear me. Although we're not elephants... Or in inmates, you and I, we often find ourselves going back to the same thing over and over and over that same pace, place of trauma, over and over that same place of pain, over and over that same person that did you wrong, over and over again. Although we know it's no good for us, we find ourselves stuck we find ourselves parenthetically chained to the same stake in the ground or running back to that same prison cell. Today in our text, Paul says, For freedom Christ has set you free. So stand firm and do not revert backwards to that same way of living, that yoke of slavery. See, here's the difference in why Paul can actually say what he's saying in the text. See, when we believe, unlike the elephant or, or the inmate, we're not left to stand firm on our own. We were not freed on our own, so therefore our freedom is not contingent upon our doing. We got to remember that as a believer, when you believe, it, 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 it has, it's Christ that has set you free. So to stay free to stand firm we have to trust and believe in the one who has set us free we got to stay firm in our faith in Christ now now hear me this sounds very easy doesn't it but it's not and we've talked about this week in and week out because there's things and there's people around you that tell you something else opposite to the word of God all around you is telling you you have to achieve you got to do this you got to be good at this Dan, and and if you achieve here you'll you'll ha- you'll be approved So we're working to seek approval. We're doing all these things. But the word says, no, when you're saved, you're fully approved in what Jesus has done. Now you work from a place of approval for for freedom, from freedom. But yet everything around us says we got to do this and we have to achieve this to get the fulfillment that we want. So the question becomes, how and why does one remain free in Christ? How? I got three points and I'm out your way. Number one. Stand firm in freedom. Stand firm in freedom. Number two, freedom in Christ gives hope. Freedom in Christ gives hope. And number three, don't abuse your freedom. Don't abuse your freedom. Paul continues his thought from last week in verse 1, and he says, Christ has set you free. Therefore, stand firm. Don't go back to the yoke of slavery, speaking about the law. That's what he's talking about. This week, he's not only saying don't go backwards, but he's also saying stand firm. Stand firm. Again, Paul has been imploring the Galatian church throughout the book not to go backwards, I, I, knew, I know all you knew was works and do this and follow the law. He said, don't go back to that works-based righteousness. He's told them over and over again, there's no new gospel message. I know there are people out there preaching something new to you. Do this by the work of your hands and you'll be accepted or you'll be approved by God. Don't, that, that, that's not the gospel. The gospel is that you're saved by the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ. It's not your own doing. There's no other message, and Paul is continually saying that to them. It's not what you bring to the table. It's what's been done for you. He's told them that Christ was the seed of Abraham. He's the seed of Abraham, the promised coming Messiah. And through faith in Christ, you're not only saved, but you're heirs with Christ. That changes everything. How you live here today is changed because you know what awaits. He says you're an heir With Christ, when you believe, you you have received all the blessings Christ deserved at Christ's expense. And last week, Paul tells us that as believers, we're children of a promise versus, versus children of works. He uses Abraham's relationship with Hagar and Abraham's relationship with Sarah and the birth of Ishmael and the birth of Isaac to say that uh, one comes uh, through sheer will and, and there's problems that happen with that because now you've got to bear the weight of what you've done. This is the birth of Ishmael where he didn't wait on God and he had this baby. And, and now there, there comes problems with that and in war to this day because he didn't wait on God. And then the other one, in his old age with his barren wife, it comes through a promise. They didn't have anything to do with this. They're beyond childbearing age. There's a promise And so what what he's saying is that one comes with weights, one comes with problems, and one comes with freedom. Freedom because it it didn't have anything to do with you. This is just you trusting God. He's saying trust the Lord. Have faith in him. Don't just just live according to your works because there's problems that come with that. And if it's not a problem, you now have to bear all the weight. And that's heavy. See, the basis of what Paul, again, is trying to drive home to us and the church here is that your works and your performance will not save you. It will not save you. You you could never do enough good. You could never follow enough laws. You could never perform good enough to equal what Christ has already done for you. So he says, stop working so much. Come back to belief. Stop reverting backwards and just doing all these things to prove yourself. Stop that. That's not going to save you. As I told you, family, Paul is just beating this proverbial drum over and over and over and over again because as humans, we're taught one message. When you walk out this door, this message is going to hit you in the face. You achieve and you're approved by what you do. That's how you make it in society. You only make it in life based off of how hard you work, which is not true for the Christian. Christians ought to work hard, but we don't work for approval. We work from a place of approval. We work from a place of freedom and acceptance that's totally contrary to what you're taught and what we hear every day of our lives. So in essence, to believe you have to fight to remain in this understanding accepted, not based off of what we do. Yeah, you know, We have to rehearse the gospel, recite the gospel, and memorize it, preach the gospel to ourselves daily. Jesus died for me, so therefore I don't have to live according to what I do. Jesus died for me, so even though I, I sin and I mess up, he's not holding it over my head, he's forgiven me. Jesus died for me, so I get to live this way. There's a privilege. Life is a privilege now. It's not a burden. I get to do this because Jesus did this for me. Paul Again, he begins the text, and he says, "For freedom, Christ has set you free." He didn't. He didn't set you free to go backwards. Hear me. He, he didn't say, "You're free now. Go do what you want to do." Paul says, "If you go back to circumcision, now what he's really saying is, you. If you go back to performance, you go back to living your life the way you've always lived it, then you have made the grace of Jesus Christ useless." He's pointing out again that believers need to stand firm in their freedom. Now listen, because I don't want you to misinterpret what's happening here and what Paul is actually saying. He's not talking about salvation. I know we may look at this and be like, well, one is maybe, maybe saying you can lose your salvation. No, that's not what he's saying. One cannot lose what they had nothing to gain. They had nothing to do with gaining. You can't lose it if you didn't, you didn't gain it by your own strength. No, no. Paul here is not questioning salvation. But he is questioning freedom. Paul here is saying that one can't lose their salvation. But listen, you can lose the freedom that comes with your salvation. Ah, Y'all missing this thing. If, If you fall back into following the law or living according to how good we can be, just like when you read the Old Testament, as you read through it, you'll see all the laws and you'll start reading it. And it will show you that you simply will never be good enough. Like, I, I, there's no way I can live up to these laws. It, it's too many of them. I, I, I'm not perfect. I fall short of this thing. Or if we look at it, we'll, we'll grow weary in this. We'll grow weary. Like, I, I, I'll never be good enough. And then on the opposite, maybe you say, well, I can do this thing. What happens is that now you grow prideful thinking that your well-being and everything you do in your life is based off of you being good instead of giving God glory. Friends, I, I told you last week, as glorious, and this is, this, is, this is tough for us, as glorious as the world may make accomplishments and things that we do in our own strength, listen, the burden of having to carry that weight to keep it up, I mean, you look at Instagram, all these people trying to be famous, that, that burden is too heavy. Look, all of us, you and me, we're created in the image of God. Which means that we're image bearers. You know what an image is? It's a smaller depiction of the real thing. It's not the real thing. Which means that as image bearers, we're to give glory to God. We're not to behold the glory. That's too heavy for us. I mean, have you ever thought about how in the world can somebody make it to this so-called mountaintop? They got everything that you could ever want, all the money, this and that. But then they still want more. Or, or, or even worse, they make it here, and then they have this failure. Like, man, how, why did they, how did they fall? They had it all made. Tom Brady, some of y'all heard me talk about him before. Tom Brady, I, I think he's the GOAT, greatest of all time when it comes to quarterback. Dan already moved his head a little bit. Some of y'all, some of y'all may think that other dude, um, Peyton, what's his name? Uh, choke artist, you know the one, that doesn't make it through the playoffs. That one, that guy, yeah, that Peyton Manning. Some people think he's the greatest, but I think I think t- Tom Brady is the the greatest quarterback of all time. Not man, quarterback. You got to qualify that. But he, <laughs> he, at one time in his career, he was interviewed and they they asked him. They say he's now won three Super Bowls. He's signed a sixty million dollar contract. He's Married to a supermodel. Everything that anybody could ever dream about. And it's like, ah, he's got it all. Asked him, what's next? He said, man, I just, you got it all. He's like, yeah, but I I just feel like there's still more. Is it any wonder that Tom Brady, years later, kept playing football well into his 40s until he lost his family, wife, made more money than you could ever dream of? And y'all, if I if I see another Instagram post about this dude coming back, I'm gonna go crazy. I mean, sit your old self down. But see what we what we find here is that when it comes to success and glory, we don't know what to do with it. It's like a drug. Once you get a little hit of it, you you just keep going back over and over and over again because it never satisfies you. You don't know what to do with it. Paul says, Paul says, look, look, that's not freedom. You're working. You're continually trying to get more and more. He says, no, that's not freedom. Stay free in Jesus. But then on the other side, there's some of us in here that are searching for that glory. You want that type of lifestyle, and you haven't gained it yet and, yet, and because of that, you feel like a failure. You feel like you haven't made it in life. You haven't got to where you're supposed to be, or you never measured up. Listen to me. There's no freedom in that either. That, that's one extreme from the other. Point being here is that our works and our self-righteousness, as Paul says, are yokes of slavery that choke us to death. You know what a yoke is? The yoke is what they, they would put around a pair of ox's neck. Oxen. They would put it around their neck, and as they they plowed the field together. Now, if one oxen was was stronger than the other ox, because they're yoked together, he could choke out the other ox or kill it. So that'd it be equally weight. What he's saying, he said that this 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 works base, this performance of yours, it, it's a yoke that that's literally choking you to death. Paul says, if your life is based on your righteousness, then you're, you're, you're yoked to slavery. And the outcome, as much as the world tells you, just reach for the stars and do more and get more of this. Listen, you will never achieve enough or amount to enough to have the fulfillment you're searching for. You'll always want more or you'll never be enough. So he says, stand firm in freedom and faith in Jesus takes it a step further. Verse 4, he says, if you, if you continue to fall away from the gift of grace back to yourself, then you, you, you may need to question if you were with Jesus in the first place. Yeah. This is like the, the, the friend that tells you, I got your back. I'm with you always. But then that same friend keeps he's stabbing you in the back. Over and over again. After a while, you're like, oh, were you really my friend? It's like the spouse that keeps cheating on you over and over again. I love you. I love you. But, but yet, you keep cheating on me. What, did, you, did you really love me? Or for you to have kids, it's like your child that keeps lying to your little sinful self. They keep lying over and over again. You're like, man, do you, do you actually respect me as your dad, as your mom? See, again, Paul here is not saying that someone has lost their salvation. That's not what he's talking about. But instead he's saying, did you really even believe in the first place? Because sometimes, John, I'm going to step on somebody's toes here, step into your neighborhood. Sometimes we make accepting Christ all about trying to get my life right. Man, I got to get my life together. I've been out here. I've been wilding out in these streets. If you know what wilding out means, I mean, you're going crazy, doing whatever you want. You've been doing whatever you want out in the street. I've been doing this. I got to get back in church and I got to be around friends. I got to be around the community because I I need that. I got to do this. I got to do that. Now, hear me. The sentiment is right. But if your motive is purely about what you have to do and not what Christ has already done for you, then listen, you already messed up and started wrong to begin with. Again, believers are saved by God. Grace, not works. One is not saved based off of what they do, and you don't keep your salvation based off your works. It was grace that has saved you, it's grace that will keep you. Think of it this way My kids are my kids. Some of you don't know this, some of you do. I always say it I got five kids, and I love them. They're my kids. They're my kids. They're my kids. Meaning they didn't create themselves. They didn't step into this world by themselves. It, it happened because of Kaylee and I coming together. And then out of Kaylee's womb, our kids come into the world. Now listen, they're our kids. Which means they can accomplish all they want. They could even mess up and do all the bad they want. But the relationship of them being my kids because they didn't create it will never change. They will always be my kids, they had nothing to do with this. That relationship is inseparable. Follow me with this. So it is with salvation. Jesus died. We didn't die, although we deserved it. He went to a grave. We didn't go to the grave, although we deserved that grave. He got up from that same grave, and I've never seen anybody else do that in the human history. Have all ever seen it? I've never seen it before in my eyes. He said, if you believe in me by faith... Not only will I save you from that grave and save you from eternal damnation and save you from your sin, but through my doing, you will experience an inheritance in heaven, one that I only deserve, but you'll get through my doing. Y'all, listen, we didn't do anything to achieve eternity, and we can do nothing to lose our salvation. Yeah. But if we don't keep our eye on Jesus... Preach the gospel to ourselves and keep him in front of our at the forefront of our lives day and night. Then listen, we can lose the freedom mentally that comes with walking with Jesus spiritually, emotionally, relationally, and community. We can lose all of that freedom. That's not salvation. It's just what you get from walking with Jesus. I got one amen because some of y'all missing this. Y'all, some of you all, you're not going to admit it, but you're still thinking, ah, Pastor, I, I hear you, but. I, do, I think I bring a little bit to the table. I'm all right. I'm good. I'm a good person. Why, why is Jesus' work so important? Listen, listen, listen to me. Jesus' work is so important because it gives the Christian hope. It gives the Christian hope. Paul says, verse 5. For through the Spirit, by faith, we believers wait for the hope of righteousness. Everybody say hope. We wait for the hope of righteousness. Listen, listen. No other religion or non-believer has hope like this. Most people have no idea where they'll be in a million years. But the believer does. The certainty of our future is the fruit of the gospel. The, the Christian certainty of their future makes the world bearable. But not only that, this certainty allows us also to love others immeasurably, why? Because we know where we're going. And we want others, our friends, our family, people that we meet to experience that same place, that same joy, that same fulfillment that we have in Jesus so we share willingly. Tim Keller, pastor, just recently passed away. He, he said, speaking of this, he said it this way, Look at it with me. He says, since our faith in Christ gives us certain hope, he's talking about believers, which overflows as love for others. If we find our love running dry or cold, the root of our lack of love is is that we're not by faith looking at our hope. If we find ourselves unloving, the solution is not to seek to love better or more. It is to look at Christ." who gives us an unlosable, unshakable acceptance from the Father. And as we dwell on our hope, we will find our hearts melted by his love and overwhelming with his love for others. Family, listen. It is the hope believers have in Christ that keeps them going. It's not your strength. It's not what you bring to the table, but it's Jesus. This same hope allows us to love other people. But don't miss it. Paul specifically says here the hope of righteousness. Everybody say righteousness. The hope of righteousness. So it's not just that we know where we're going, but that righteousness comes with it. This is good, because what he's saying is that not only did Christ die for your sins, but at the final judgment where all of us got to stand before God, face to face, when you stand before Him as a believer, you will still be counted as righteous based off of nothing that you've done. Now let me ask you, what job promises you that? I, I didn't seen a lot of job descriptions. I've never seen one that says, I promise as you work hard here, you will experience eternal righteousness. You will experience all the goodness of heaven. I've never seen it, y'all. What job promises you that? What amount of work promises you that? What other religion promises you that? I'll wait. There is nothing in this world that promises you a righteous standing once you die before God apart from faith in Jesus know what that gives the believer number one it gives them two things hope and number two freedom from my works based righteousness because my standing my righteousness is based solely on what Christ has done for me on the cross my righteous standing is based off of what he's done not what I've done which gives me freedom and gives me hope Y'all missing it, so Paul Paul keeps moving and he keeps railing against this works-based righteousness. Verse six, and he makes a bold statement talking about circumcision. And he says that whether you're circumcised or not, it does not matter; it doesn't count for anything. Now listen, listen to me. We just read past this really quickly, but if you were here and you're hearing this or you're reading it at the time, you would have had to pause, take a step back. Somebody would be like, "Oh." What's about to happen here? Paul Paul just set off a bomb. Circumcision doesn't count for anything. You have to understand that there's Jews here in the midst of who he's writing to, and and they're preaching this other gospel to these Gentiles. And so all they've known throughout their whole life is circumcision. Paul said, That don't count for nothing. Whether you're circumcised or or not circumcised, it doesn't count for anything. This would would have been so off-putting. What what you live for, that that doesn't mean nothing. That's like people growing up here in the 90s, seeing Michael Jordan win six championships, be the the greatest of all time. And now people people come in and like, in Chicago, and be like, man, LeBron and and Kobe, they the goats. Greatest of all time. Some of y'all laughed. And some of y'all ain't saying nothing because it just made you mad. (laughs) That's what it would have been like. They wouldn't have been quiet, though. They'd be like, what you say, Paul? Come again? But see, Paul, Paul, Paul's not really talking about circumcision. He, he's really talking about works-based righteousness once more. He's saying that my good performance or my bad performance won't affect my standing with God. Said another way, if I do good, it doesn't make God love me more. Or if I do bad, it doesn't make God love me less. My standing with God, he's saying, it's not based off of what I do, but it's based off of what Jesus has already done for me. So hear me. I'm about to step into somebody's neighborhood with this one. Some of us need to stop saying that I got to do this and I need to live right and I got to make this happen in my life so God can bless me. That's worldly blessing. Because what you want is God to bless you with some riches, or you want him to take you out of this circumstance and do this and this and that. And you're, God, I need this, I need this, I need that. Here, here's the reality. That, that's not blessing. True blessing for the believer happens when you get to heaven. There's nothing that, that can compare to the eternal blessings that you will have when you get to heaven. Now, now, So we're praying for this, and we're praying for this, and we want to get out of this, and we want this blessing, we want here. That, that, that's, not, that's not blessing. Now, God can move in your situation, but to ask for him to give you some kind of material blessing or do this and that, we got it all wrong. The true blessing comes for Jesus when we meet him face to face. Paul says, stop living based off your works. Now, hear me. When I talk about blessing, I'm not saying that there's no consequences for your actions, this and that, and that you, you can't get blessed here, this and that. That There is a here and now effect that God can do things in your life. He'll do things now. But, but what I'm really getting at is that your doing, your real blessing, it doesn't, it doesn't come from your doing what you do. In other words, your, your, your eternal standing and status is not affected by what you do. Jesus already handled that on the cross. You don't make yourself right. It's God's love for you through Jesus' sacrifice that makes us right. The only thing that we possess that adds to this or attributes to this is our faith in the perfect work of Jesus. My faith in the perfect work of Jesus is what makes me right. Paul, Paul here, again, he's, he's opening chapter 5, and he's, he, he's, he's saying the same thing. He's beating that drum. Church, stop trusting your works to save you. They don't save you. They don't give you freedom. They don't give you the hope you're looking for. Faith in Jesus is where all you need and want is found. Paul loves the church so much, and so do I. That, that's why I'm so passionate about this. That's why Paul keeps saying this through the first five chapters, saying the same thing over and over again. Stop reverting backwards. It's his love for the church. So much so that he says, wait, 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 who hindered you from obeying? You you started off doing really well. You were running hard for Jesus. He says that in the passage. But someone came along and has duped you. He says, whoever is preaching this false gospel or opposite of what I'm preaching, they're not of Jesus, and let them emasculate themselves. And I'm like, what'd you say, Paul? I had to stop. Emasculate themselves. What? what? Wait a second. Now, when you read this, Paul Paul is not trying to seek revenge out of anger and upset at them. He's really, again, saying this out of love and concern for the church. He's concerned with what they're believing right now. I, I love what theologian John Stott says about this verse. He says, I venture to say that If we were as concerned for God's church and God's word as Paul was, we too would wish that false teachers might cease from the land. Paul was adamantly against righteousness being based off of works and anybody else that taught it. And quite honestly, as believers, we should be too. So with all of that said, I got to ask you all the same question I did last week, because before we get upset with the false teachers and others that are teaching this thing, or even other people that we know are living according to their works, listen, we got we, we, we to let go of some control in our lives, too. You ask yourself, well, what is it in your life right now that, that, that you are holding on to that is not yours? You need to give this to the Lord maybe there's a battle or trial that you've been holding on you've been trying to work through you need to hand over to the Lord. what area do you need to trust God in? It could be some struggle, some sin or depression, anxiety what is it that you need to say, Lord here here, this is yours. I can't fix it myself. Maybe you're the other person that 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 has been working hard. You've done all these things. You've got this achievement and this achievement, and you've made it up the ladder in your, in your corporate job, and, and you're doing well here, but yet, but yet you feel more miserable and sad and tired than ever before. And yet you're at this place, I'm tired of this. I, I'm done. And you need to hand over the will of your life. Lord, here is the will of my life. I'm tired of doing it on my own. I need you to make me the man or the woman that you want me to be. I'm tired. See, some of you are like, the people look at me and they look like it looks like I'm doing well. I'm dressed nice and I'm doing well, and everybody, I got money, but yet I'm dying on the inside. And maybe you need to say, Lord, I need peace. I need to know what it looks like to be freely your child, where I trust in you for everything. I'm done. See, Paul is continually beating this drum. And you hear me passionately saying the same thing over and over again because here it's love for the church. He's saying stay free from the false teaching of you got to do everything by the work of your hands, and you make it happen in your life. That's weighty. There's no freedom in that. And even if you make it, you still want more. You don't, you don't achieve your righteousness, your fulfillment, or your peace through what you do. Paul says, stay free. Keep your mind on Jesus. Stay free. As he gets to verse 13 and around home, round 30 head home, Paul, he starts switching gears a little bit here. And Paul, he transitions from stay free, don't lose your gospel freedom. Verse thirteen to fifteen, he says, but don't don't abuse it either. We've preached a lot on, and Paul has written a lot on, don't don't revert backwards, don't step backwards, don't don't go back to performance and works based righteousness. But Paul says on the other side, we also can't take advantage of God's grace. Don't don't abuse the freedom that you have. Don't, we got to watch out for our permissiveness. We must not be permissive where we abuse our freedom and take advantage of the grace of God. It's quiet in here because this one's tough. Verse thirteen, freedom, he says, does not allow you to sin now. It doesn't allow you to go back to doing wrong. He's, don't 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 go back. Don't go from law-abiding citizens to grace saved sinners. One extreme to the other. We didn't save ourselves and we're saved by a holy God without fault. So what sense does it make to now serve Christ and walk in sin and wrongdoing? Now, I know I'm stepping on some toes with this one because here this is real and some of us need a check up. We need to check our hearts right now. We say we believe in Jesus, but yet we're engaged in things and doing things with people that we know as believers we should not be doing. We're, we're doing things that we know we have no business being a part of, but then we'll step out of it, and, and we know that God's a forgiving God, so we got God asked me, God, please forgive me for what I did, and then you, you just go back to doing the same thing. Drank too much tonight, I'm going to go drink more tomorrow, God forgive me, drink more, slept with this person, oh, forgive, me. forgive me, sleep with another person, chasing after money, God forgive me, oh, chase after money more. Taking advantage of the grace of God. Paul says, Now that you understand grace, beware of taking advantage of it. And the sad thing about this, listen, is that we as believers, we don't, we don't know how to manage that tension. We, <laughs> we, we, we either swing the pendulum way too far to the left or way too far to the right. We're, super legalistic, can't do this, got to do this, or we're permissive. You do whatever you want, God God loves you. And the truth is that we've done this since the beginning of the church. For instance, I mean, this isn't just today. You take sexual matters, and we live in an over-sexualized society, and we're like, oh, man, it's crazier than it's ever been today. Well, I don't think that's true. You look at the Bible, why do you think Paul had to write about how to have sex in the right relationship or, or um, what marital relationships really look like in 1 Corinthians 7 and all throughout, or, or even Romans 1. Why do you think in the first chapter of Romans 1, he lists off all of these wrong relations, men with men and women and all these things, and he's talking about this being a sinful. Why, why do you think Paul has to do all of these things? Because people were out here doing whatever they wanted to do with whoever they wanted to. Jumping in and out of marriage and sex over here and this and that. So he has to write about this. We were given permission to things that were never permissible. And listen, maybe you're like, well, that's just sex. No, it's not. You look at all of Paul's letter. We could have picked a lot of different topics. In all of his writing, almost all of the 13 letters are all about instruction. And he's correcting the church on how they need to live. Why? Because folks were given permission to all sorts of things that were never permissible. Now hear me. Don't get Paul wrong. He's not saying that you got to go back to living according to the law. He's not being legalistic. But what he's doing is he's trying to, he's trying to toe the line, so to say, and give a correct under, understanding of what it means to live in grace. Paul is saying that when we realize How much we have been loved by God. Although we're freed from the law, we now want to abide by it more because we owe Jesus everything. So so grace, listen, doesn't breed permission to do whatever we want. But understanding grace, the grace of God, moves us to want to honor God with all that we have. It's kind of like growing up with, parents or mentors, if your parents weren't around, when we're growing up as kids, we, we really don't realize all the sacrifices and everything that they do on our behalf to make sure we're here and make sure we experience this. But once we get older and we look back and now we're thankful, what happens? We want to honor them with the life that we have now, the life that we get to live. And we do that from a place of love and thanks, honor. So Paul's saying, the gospel, salvation by grace through faith, moves us to want to be like Christ. It moves us to love others, which is why Paul says, in verse 14, he says, For the law is fulfilled in one word, love your neighbor as yourself. Now listen, before someone says it, this is not performance. That's not what he's saying. He's not saying go perform. The gospel, listen to me, changes our motivations. The, the gospel forces us to ask the question how can I live more for Jesus now? Not, I got to do this or I have to perform or I have to live for Jesus. I, I got to be this. I got to stop drinking. I got to do this. I got to do that. No, no, no. How can I? I get to get to live. We're now motivated to follow the law out of love instead of duty. We'll talk more about this next week. But I leave you with the question that I just asked. Understanding your place as a believer, I'm saved by grace not to go back to my works. or What I do, how can I live for Jesus more out of a place of thankfulness and honor for some of you that may be stepping out of that relationship you know you're not supposed to be in some of that that may be healthy boundaries in how you hang out at night or what you do when you're out at restaurants or clubs some of you that may be stepping out of one season to the next leaving this job for this. I'm not chasing money anymore. I, I want to chase after you, Jesus. What is it? How can you live for Jesus? More, maybe it may be I need to spend more time with my family. I need to pay attention what's, to what's important. I need to stop stop doing and start being, being present. I can't outwork God. Maybe for you. it may just be sitting still laying at the feet of Jesus physically I'm talking about literally sitting still try sitting still for five minutes and don't think about anything it's hard because there's so much that's clouding our minds I gotta do this I gotta do that the reality is while you're not doing God ain't never stopped working. What's it look like to trust him? And stay free. Paul says stop submitting to the yoke of slavery. Stop reverting back to your performance. Stop reverting back to your works. Stay free in Jesus. Some of us that may mean that we need to trust Jesus for the first time never experienced that freedom. The word says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he died on the cross, was buried in the grave, and rose based on the confession of your faith, you are saved. Now you believe in faith, but now you walk in faith and experience this freedom in community too. Some of us, that's stepping out of doing all the things that we've done with ourselves, by ourselves, and saying, I, I believe in Jesus, but I've been over here. It's time to trust him. How can you stay free this morning? Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for this word. Thank you for your grace that continues to keep us, that covers us. God, I pray the person that may accept you for the first time, that you would shower them with your love, your grace, and your peace. Also, pray for the person that's coming back, stepping away from all my performance and doing this to be right. Pray that they would know that forgiveness is found in you, acceptance is found in you. Everything we want and need is found there, now and forevermore. You are a good, good God, and we thank you. Protect and keep us now. In Jesus' name, amen.